Welcome to On the Home Front. We're very happy to be here with you once again. You might be getting us live on the radio at WILI AM 1400 or 95.3 on the good old FM. We're also on YouTube 24-7 on your phone or on any device so our guests can reach you in all kinds of ways. We're going to focus today on the arts, especially for the first half of the show. We're going to focus on the Cultural Coalition serving Southeastern and Northeastern Connecticut. They'll be with us for two segments today, and it will include uh, some conversations with the Connecticut Museum of Culture and History. They're having a nice uh, kind of a collaboration coming up this year. So we're going to look at the organization for the first two parts of the show. And then for the end of the show, we're going to have a Dionisi Torres back in the house. She is from the newly formed Latino Chamber of Commerce which is tied into the, uh, the Windham Area Chamber of Commerce, and it's a way for all the businesses from all aspects of the Latino-Hispanic community that are involved in local business to come together. So we'll have DNEC in for the end of the show. Okay, so right, uh, so sitting next to me now, I'm very happy to share the studio with Wendy Vincent. She's the executive director at the Cultural Coalition. So, Wendy, uh, I've had a chance to meet you before, but it's great to have you in the studio. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, John, for having us here. We're excited. You bet. And next to Wendy is Kate Schramm. She's the director of cultural sustainability at the Connecticut Museum of Culture and History. And I thank you for coming up today as well. It's a pleasure to be here. So one thing that we're going to do in the first part of the show is look at each of these great organizations with a little history and a little focus on what they're doing in the coming year. And I guess, Wendy, you'd be a great follow-up uh, to get us started with the coalition. Yeah, wonderful. Um, we have been around for about 10 years. This is actually kind of our 10 years. And what we do is we are one of the designated uh, regional service organizations for the Connecticut Office of the Arts. Right. So we currently serve the southeastern and northeastern part of the state, all mm -hmm. the way from the bottom all the way up to the state line. It's a huge area. It is it a is. huge area. Uh, it's a huge area, and it's spread out. But there are lots mm -hmm. of cultural organizations and artists and all kinds of great, amazing arts and culture going on on this side of the state. Something I want to mention right away you should jot down is uh, the actual website. It's culturescct.org. It's loaded with information. You can go there and sign up for newsletters, and there are areas for you to register yourself as an artist. So when they keep a census for the arts of who's out there, they're trying to collect as much information as they can about all of the artists. So it's a great way to connect to them. Uh, so maybe you could just say this is your second year now, right? You're still in this. I'm what? even newer than that. Half a year. So, uh, half a year. Half this a is year. six months. Right. So, I've been the new executive director for six months. Right. Um, which is a little bit of a change because the previous executive director had been here for those 10 years. I've had Wendy Berry on before, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, we replaced one Wendy with another Wendy. That's <laughs> we true. just changed the last names to make it different yeah. and difficult for everyone. But. Yeah. So I'm really excited, and Wendy's been a great resource. Wendy Berry's been a great resource in the transition process, right. which is amazing. And I have the opportunity to look at the organization with fresh eyes and to see where we can take it in our next steps for the next 10 years. So when you look at the next year, 2024, what do you think would be some of the areas that you'll be focusing on? I know one of them has to do with Megan, who will be with us for the second half of the show. She's going to be working more in our region. But overall, when you look at the bigger picture, what are your, your hopes and dreams for the year? 
Oh, let's see. Our hopes and dreams, like my first six months has really been just understanding where we came from and why and why we're here and why we do what we do and exactly what we do. Um, So looking forward, what I would like to do is take all of those things that we've done and that we've been doing really well and keep doing them, uh, which is always a great thing to look forward to. And then I'd also like to... The northern region is not as established as our southern region, so we will be hiring a coordinator for the northern region of the state who will be sitting up here in the north region and doing the work directly with us. So that's one of the other focuses that we'll be looking at. Right. You know, people here really, like you said, they're spread out, Mm -hmm. very limited mass transit, and a lot of artists feel that they're in isolation, even though if they were part of a local guild... All of a sudden, hey, there's a family all around me I don't know about yet, you know? Yeah, and one of our programs is called Culture Connects. And what that is is essentially we convene. Uh, We're going to be doing them quarterly. And Mm -hmm. what we do is we convene just for people to come and get together, artists to come and meet each other. We did one towards the end of the last year at the Luz Center. And so we'll up in Woodstock. Up in Woodstock. Oh, yeah. So we're really trying to reach out and gather everybody together. So we'll do we'll put four on the calendar for next year. We're working on the dates right now to have those quarterly and we'll do two in the southern region, two kind of in the northern region. And then we will do additional ones if we feel that it's needed for artists to be able to find a place to come together and do some networking sure. and find out what services are available to them. Well, before time flies by, I want to bring Kate in right away. I'm uh, sorry, Kate, I did all the talking. No, you're, no. All, you're all good. You're, you're setting the stage. Uh, Kate is from the, uh, she's the Director of Cultural Sustainability, but she's at the Connecticut Museum of Culture and History in Hartford. Uh, so let's start with your focus directly. Folks hear about sustainability and they think about it in economic terms, making things pay for themselves over time. But your focus is a little different. Yeah, that's right. Um, The way that uh, the museum thinks about uh, cultural sustainability is really helping to meet communities where they are to help sustain things that they are doing that are super important to their communities. Um, We're talking cultural vibrancy. We're talking about things that people are doing that if those things went away in their communities, it would really be a loss. They would really feel it. That's a good way to put it, because sometimes people will say, well, what are the big ones? But the small ones are there and they're filling a hole. Mm-hmm. And even though it's small, that just just maintaining that gives it a chance to grow over time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, do you have any examples of how the Northeast or Southeast might be some areas that have been activated where you've had some sense of activity now and you're trying to get more to do the same? Well, the Connecticut Museum of Culture and History, just backing up a little bit, is yeah. it, we are the, both the state's historical society, right. um, and we're almost 200 years old, Wendy. Um, and so that's wow. that's a that's that's one that's one legacy we carry. But another one is we are also the home for the state's programmatic activities to support folk and traditional arts in the state. And um, so, with the statewide mandate. Um, we, we can't always be everywhere at once, which is why we're super excited to be working together with the Cultural Coalition. Um, but we have had contacts um, in the eastern half of the state for a really long time. Um, and we see how artists and culture keepers in their communities are doing all sorts of amazing work mm-hmm. to sustain um, their cultural traditions and um, invigorate local events. Um, for example, uh, the Finnish American Heritage Society out in Canterbury, Connecticut, is a long-term uh, friend of ours. Um, we are 
we have an apprenticeship program and we have artists within the community who, um, and the Finns have been involved in that multiple times. They're wonderful people. And we have, and, 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 I, and I called out the Finns, but the, the eastern half of the state is full of amazing, amazing uh, cultural groups that are doing things every single day uh, to sustain um, what's important to them. And we're privileged to be able to help that. Yeah. And, and some of the challenge we found as an organization is actually finding those. Like, where are they? Who are these really cool people and what are they doing? And what kind of resources do they need that we could possibly help connect them with? That's harder than it seems sometimes, right? It is. When you're looking at the state on a map, how do you find these folks? You know they're there somewhere, right? That's part of your challenge mm -hmm. is to figure out how to connect. That's exactly it, which is why this partnership is a really good opportunity for us to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to mention another website to jot down to follow up today. This one is for the ConnecticutMuseum.org, and it's loaded. I went there today. You can look at the collection. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, uh, if I could, about your digital collection. Sure. And how that helps. Mm -hmm. And one of the main functions that they have is to help with research and different levels and different purposes. So maybe talk about the research collection, would you? Sure. Um, the Connecticut uh, Museum of Culture and History has over 4 million items in its collection. Um, we're adding more every day, um, especially with uh, projects like our Northeast Connecticut Impact Coordinator, who is uh, photographing and documenting and interviewing people um, here in this part of the state. Um, and those materials will eventually be added to our collection as well. Um, but it's worth noting that of those four million pieces of, uh, and this includes archives, objects, furniture, um, clothing, born digital materials, video, um, audio, um, only a small fraction of that has been fully digitized and is online. However, imagine, yeah. however, we are, um, we are a nonprofit. Um, we have amazing exhibitions as well, um, incredible education programs, um, wonderful events, and people can come and do research um, at the museum. Um, all you have to do is check it out online and, and sign up to come in. 1 Elizabeth Street, Hartford. There you go. Uh, if I was a high school teacher or working with younger students, how could this collection be at the scale that I need compared to maybe somebody in college? We have an amazing education department, and they deliver school programs uh, the entirety of the school year. They're very, very busy. They also do adult outreach programs, and they go to where schools are all over the state. They log more miles. Um, they've probably driven around the globe already this year in the miles that they've logged throughout our state. So. Well, you know, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to have Megan join us. She came up for the show, too, and she's going to talk about her work. But, but I just wondered in terms of the overall connections the coalition has now. Maybe you've been here a few months, but in a larger sense, maybe you can add to this, Kate. Over the last few years, have you sensed more of a sense that people have gotten more optimistic or are they feeling more pressure? There's really serious financial pressure. Some of the ARPA money helped for a while. A lot of people survive with that. Mm -hmm. So we have to give a thumbs up to that money, but nobody ever thought it would be forever. And this past year, it kind of passed most of it. The, um, How's the, the plan out? The ARPA funding did give a good boost to a lot of our artists and arts organizations. Yep. And exactly like you said, now we're post-COVID, we're post the extra funding boost. 
And now, you know, and we didn't necessarily do so well in the budget this year for arts and culture with the state. Yes. So that is the type of work that is the cultural coalition we are trying to help with. So we do a lot of advocacy work at the state level to see how we can ensure that there's an equitable access to funding for people. Um, One of our largest programs that we offer free is our funding booster program. And what that is intended to do is to help artists and arts organizations, first of all, be aware of what is out there for opportunities, Uh and second of all, help them to apply to that. Because, as you know, not everybody understands how to apply for grants or exactly what they need. So we have that program to help kind of bridge that gap there. Yes. Um, So that's, I don't know, Kate, if you had anything you wanted to add to that thought. Um, Only that there's a lot of assumptions out there about what everybody in the state is capable of or has the resources to do. Um, People don't always have a cell phone. People don't always have easy access to internet. They may not be fluent in the languages of bureaucracy or even know where they would start or they might be really scary for them. Sure. Um, And and that doesn't even get into linguistic barriers. Um, We have one of the most diverse states in the nation. Mm We do. uh, so yeah, this is why this this kind of outreach and the kinds of programs that you're doing are super important. You know, the other aspect of this is that uh, the connections transcend the moment because you're trying to build a foundation to grow on. So it's not a transient thing. Let's get mm-hmm. together for this event or maybe a program or even a campaign. Mm-hmm. It's more like changing everyday life, changing the neighborhood to think differently. So I guess one thing that I'm very optimistic about is how People that I hear on the show, I'm hearing more optimism that people with limited means have figured out a new math of saying, well, pool together what you've got, and all of a sudden you might match a grant. Or maybe you could do a a larger project you couldn't even apply for alone. So people are collaborating like your agencies, and I'm sure you're seeing other people thinking the same way, right? So now we have the state funding issue. The arts community, culture, and tourism used to be pretty separate silos for a long time. And they got along, but it was very competitive sometimes. And the last couple of years, a lot of work was done to get them together. And it got to a point where it actually got to the legislature, and then the funding wasn't there for it. They're trying again. And I just share this because you should look up the Connecticut Arts Alliance. They're a statewide organization trying to impact the connections taxpayers have with the arts, arts organizations, and artists. And they're trying to get through the bureaucracy to get the arts what it needs and what it deserves because of the amount of money that you know the arts generates every year. And I want people to understand too that all of these organizations are working together. Like the Connecticut Arts Alliance just held a a two-day informational session on how to talk to your legislators for this. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, us as the Cultural Coalition, because we work with the Office of the Arts, we work with the Arts Alliance, we've been involved in some of the tourism and marketing discussions to say, don't forget how arts and culture are driving, helping to drive the economies, and don't forget us in that conversation. That's right. So that's a lot of the work that we're doing, and it's great to have all these different partners that we're partnering Mm -hmm. with. I love the, we're all talking to each other, we're all trying to get towards that same end goal. 
So these related communities are partnering, and now they have data to show real money results. It's not theoretical now. They've crunched the numbers probably too painfully, but they have the data. Now it's <laughs> we, just We just people. participated in the Arts yeah. and Economic Prosperity right. study last Number year, six, right, right. and the results yeah. of that show how much arts, and arts helps drive the economies in these yeah. regions. So it's not only you might go see a show somewhere, you're not just paying for your ticket for the show, you're also going to gas up your car on the way there. You are also going to eat in a restaurant there. You might visit some of the shops. Yep. And all of this is driving to help the local economies of these, you know, and especially some of these smaller rural towns out here who could really use that extra boost. So if you're listening to us on the radio right now, we're talking about the Cultural Coalition serving southeastern and northeastern Connecticut. And for the first segment, we've had Wendy Vincent with us along with Kate Schramm from the Connecticut Museum. Kate, before you leave us, is there anything you wanted to share today that I didn't touch on uh, you know, before you go? Well, I really just want to take a moment to uh, shout out what folk and traditional arts is all about. A lot of times people hear it and they think, oh, it's all, it's like old, old time stuff. You know, the ancient, people get, yeah. it's all the ancient things. It's well, all sepia, right? It's so, all sepia tone. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm here to say, please, please put those assumptions aside. These are things that are emergent. They are vibrant. They can feel um, like something that has very deep roots and, but they can also be growing out of those deep roots and look like something brand new. Um, we recognize them by the contexts that they occur in, um, where there's creativity, community, and continuity that work in harmony. And because these things are so often so small and so community-based, um, they are routinely underserved by typical arts yeah. funding and yeah. typical humanities funding because yeah. what do you do with maritime knot tying? What do you do with timber-framed barn building? These are complicated and interesting and um, and also very aesthetic productions, but there's very dif it's very difficult to find a grant uh, yeah. that supports it. So this is what this work does. This is what our program does, is we are working with communities to do um, this important work of support and sustenance. Sustenance? Yeah. Well, that's a great way to, to finish up. And I'll look forward to having you back during the year as things yeah. come up, special events, people you're working with. The doors are always open for you, Kate. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks very much. So what we're going to do is take a very short break. We'll stay with Wendy and come back with Megan Griffin. She's joined their family as the Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Coordinator. And as Wendy said, she's going to be all over the region trying to capture where people are and what they're doing. So thanks again, Kate. We'll come right back. Stay with us. All right, we got everything in. How about that? That's too bad, right? No animals were hard. I know. No animals well, you know were hard. Well, you know what my word is? Legislators, legislators. I can't say that word to oh. save my life, and I have to say it a lot, and I'm like, oh, somebody's going to catch me on it's that. It's a tough one. It's, it's a tough one. All right, I'll take you. Okay, Kate. You send, you send Megan in. Megan, you're up. All right. So what we can do is just follow up as needed on a calendar. Yeah. Uh, we just had the CAA's annual meeting. Two days ago, I was there. Yeah, I was there too. That's right. Yeah, I waved and to you across the room, but I was talking to everybody else. I know there was a. It was a nice. It was crowd. A, it was a nice crowd. It Liz was. Shapiro and I were in the corner eating cheese for a while. Oh, the food was good though. Food, you know where they got that from? No. Um, fromage and Old Saybrook does wow. those cheese platters. Old Saybrook. Well, they were down there. Yeah, the so old line. Good. Yeah, it was very good. Tough job. I had to go and eat cheese. <laughs> yeah. Summer. Hard sometimes, but yeah. someone's got to do it. All right, Megan. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having Welcome me. Welcome to the studio. Painless. This is going to be breath. more fun than going to the dentist, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> this is more fun. Never mind the laughing gas. You don't need it. 
Uh, I've had my dose, so I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, see, the bad jokes never end. That's why Matt stays with me. Because right. otherwise, he'd fire me. I'd be in big trouble, man. When the jokes get bad, I'm out of here. Johnny got one minute. One minute. All right, so we have another. Good, we have plenty of time, Megan. So I'm just going to have you introduce yourself, maybe, and just start out to kind of say what your hope is and what you're going to do with the job. Then we'll get into other things in your background. Just, sure. Because they just set the stage for you in a nice way about the larger picture. And now they're going to say, well, now we want to know the community better. We want to collect stories. And there you are. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. All right. And I, and I will get the email. That'll be fine. I get the website again, okay. culturesec.org. Okay. And also, it. watch for Dionysi. Yes, I will. I'll, I'll, that, that light up there rings when oh, they ring the doorbell. Yeah. Uh, 20 seconds. Yeah, they just got a real organized thing for the Latino businesses here with the chamber. Um, I'm impressed by that. I was listening in when you said yeah, that. Yeah, they're really so. You got your notes? I do. <clears throat> oh, feel yeah. free. Notes, whatever yep. you need, Megan. To be Thank you. Feel I free. had some open on my phone, oh, too. Okay. So. All righty. Three, Ready? two, one. All right, everybody, we're back on the home front. We're glad to have you with us. For the third part of the show later on, we're, we're going to have time with Dionisi Torres. She's the, she's the executive director of the Latino community. It's a new business that's tied to the Chamber of Commerce, but it's focused on the Latino business community all around Wyndham. So we'll do that in a few minutes. Right now, though, we're continuing our conversation about the Cultural Coalition. And now we have Megan Griffin with us today. She's recently joined their organization as the Folk and Traditional Arts Community Impact Coordinator. So congratulations, first of all, on your new opportunity, Megan. Thank you so much. I you know, wish you the very best. And maybe a starting point is what your thoughts are as you begin the job and your hopes for the coming year for the things that you'll be doing to help the community better understand itself. Sure. Well, my hopes so far for this project are to be as much service to artists and practitioners of these knowledges in the region as I can possibly be. So far, the folks that I've met have had such an array of expertise and experiences, and so I want to do my part to portray that accurately and respectfully, and also to make sure that I am getting a sense from them about what resources they might use in the future to endure, um, to co better connect with one another. Um, and, and again, just to record uh, this tremendous service to our society that they're doing. So as you collect the stories, what is the plan for using them for a larger goal than helping each individual in their own path, but the larger family aspect of that? Sure. Um, I get the sense that we're in sort of the exploratory phase of the project. So right now it's making connections, meeting as many people in as broad a region, a regional scope and scope of different disciplinary areas and foci as I can possibly get. And the hope is that that will blossom into, um, as Kate said, something that will emerge sort of naturally, which is that these relationships might um, arise out of the different events that the Cultural Coalition is putting together, mm -hmm. or that some of the artists might be interested in taking part in the apprenticeship program that the Connecticut Museum of Culture and History offers or that some of these artists might benefit from the grants workshops that the Cultural Coalition offers, or perhaps that something completely new arises from bringing these artists into conversation with one another for the first time, because some of them are a bit more 
connected to the Connecticut sort of cultural milieu. And then some are, this is the first time they've been interviewed. This is the first time they've been connected to um, a nonprofit or cultural institution. I mean, imagine, let's say, uh, you went to an arts guild or an arts council, and they have 30 members. You've got 30 stories right there, some of which may never otherwise be documented, because folks don't usually tell their own stories very well. They're too busy making their art to try to sell it, right? So can you talk about how that is part of your job, and why did you want to do this kind of work for yourself? What motivated you to want to help in this unique way? Sure. So for the first part of your question, I think one thing that I try to do when I talk to artists is often they have to be convinced that they're artists or that they're <laughs> worth interviewing or that they're doing something that merits documenting. And so really showing them how interesting and crucial and important their work is. Um, I think they realize the work itself is important because they've dedicated their lives to it, but that they as individuals are doing something really important for us in um, maintaining, or as Kate said, keeping these cultures. Yeah. My interest was, um, well, I studied rural sociology. And so in that discipline, I really focused on actually local knowledges in terms of science. So I looked at small communities that were maintaining local agricultural knowledge, local scientific knowledge, even when they were facing dispossession. And so, it, and it was tremendously important for the environment. It's, it's knowledge that is now, we're realizing, more and more relevant. And so when I came across this opportunity, I jumped at it because I thought, okay, this is such similar work, just looking at it in a slightly different valence, just looking at it through arts. This is stuff that is going to be more and more relevant, and this is something that could be at risk, but is very much worth um, propping up. Right. So we have our eyes on you. Our eyes are on you. If you're an artist out there, you've got to put your eyes on Megan because she's looking for you. And I want to talk to Wendy for a second because of the database you have. They've been doing a census for years to build up who's out there. And can you talk about the newsletters and how people can sign up to find out things they may never know about otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of information on our website to right. direct you in a lot of different um, resources and programming that we have. One of them is you can sign up for our newsletters to find out what's going on. Included in our newsletters are things like information coming down from the Office of the Arts, things that the Arts Alliance is doing. Like I said, we keep our eyes out there. Things that might be coming up in the news that you might want to know about, uh -huh. grant funding opportunities, that type of stuff. Again, we work to try and connect People, meet them where they are, connect where they need to be connected, and doing that type of work. Even, you know, we'd announced when we brought Megan on to do this work and be able to have her help mm -hmm. connect some of those artists back to us. Yeah. So the website to jot down to follow up on all these things is culturesect.org, S-E-C-T, culture, S-E-C-T.org. Uh, Megan, if I was an artist and you came to visit me, and I was trying to do more than have art as a hobby, but I really wanted to take a risk and try to make an economic relationship with my art. The question would be, what are the kinds of services people could tap into that they may not even know could help them not reinvent the wheel and save them a whole year of confusion <laughs> over basic stuff that they couldn't believe could be more simple than they thought? <coughs> Pardon me while I choke. <laughs> <laughs> 
goodness. I mean, I think the main thing that I would suggest is that they start building up their contacts with these different organizations um, rather than doing all the work themselves of figuring out which, let's say, farmer's market has the lowest price of entry for them to try and sell their wares or which are the um, locations where they would have the best luck performing their work. So I think getting involved with organizations like the Cultural Coalition that will be able to point them in the right direction and plug them into an already vibrant network. Yeah, and I'll just tag on to that for a second, Megan, and just to say that I find a lot of, I a couple things, I was in a writing group the other day, and just that authenticity of being able to say, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, yeah. you know, and then you take the next level up and you say, I've sold a painting, now what? Well, now you're in business, so let's figure out how to make you sustainable to be able to utilize your mm -hmm. art and still keep it sustainable by being able to sell it at the farmer's markets or that type of thing. So, but again, it's exactly like Megan said. How do people connect? And there's people who've already done it. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So how do we connect these people together to say, oh, they've done the farmer's market circuit. How do we put them in touch with the person who's never done it and needs the help? Right. That's a great practical example. Mm -hmm. Or things I want to ask about is the agony of what do you charge? Mm -hmm. What will the market Always the bear? Question. And if the market is at a certain level in reality, this is the economic reality, you can't think that you're living somewhere that might be in Stanford or Newport, Rhode Island, where there's a lot of cash flowing, but you still want to live here and you want to work here. So how do people think that through? Well, I think they all have different needs. Many of the artists are um, hobbyists or homesteaders, or this is right. a second uh, vocation for them, or they're retirees, right. and they're looking for a way to um, keep this practice alive in, in this newfound free time they have. And then some folks are in the process of launching a business, and some folks are tremendously well-established. So that's really, you know, it's hard to answer that question in one way, um, and I'm just at this point trying to gather all the stories and assess all of their needs as much as I possibly can. And that fact-finding that Megan is currently doing now is what's going to help us and other organizations be able to support that they're doing. Like Megan said, are they just trying to keep a tradition alive and it's mm -hmm. not that they want to turn it into a business. That's a different conversation than with somebody who wants to turn it into a business. So by Megan gathering all this data, we can then figure out how to meet people where they are and help them. Yeah. And maybe one thing, we, we have a couple of minutes still I want to ask about specific things because people really struggle with what they need to know. Uh, and there are workshops throughout the year on, on various aspects of managing the money, their creativity. Can you mention some of the topics that have been covered where people can try to break the mountain into manageable pieces and move ahead one step at a time and not feel overwhelmed and it takes them a long time to get confident? Yeah, and I mean it'll be interesting to see what Megan's finding in her research that people are needing too. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities out there and a lot of training, but you just need to kind of know where to where to go to do it. Right. So there are opportunities out there for artists to learn how to do an artist statement. You know, you need to have an artist statement to be able to do a business plan if you're going to create a business. You need to have that to be able to apply for a grant if you're looking for some grant funding. Right, right. A big question we get is, I want to be a nonprofit. How do I be a nonprofit? Or it's like, let's talk about the other side of it. What about being a for business? artist, creative organization. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of those questions that people have, and I think the struggle is just knowing where to find the information to answer those questions for them. Right. 
And I know from some other conversations that some artists looking, they look for a, a fiduciary sponsor. They're not qualified to be a nonprofit. Maybe they don't really want to go through all that legal stuff to become an entity that could receive a grant. But perhaps a nonprofit could sponsor their work. They would manage the money. They would report on it for how it was used. But they could be a home. Could you see how that works and, to give someone a chance? And when you have a sponsor like that, yeah. the challenge to that sometimes is when you have a sponsor, you can't necessarily apply for grant opportunity. Because sometimes there's a box to check that says, do you already have a fiduciary sponsor? Mm -hmm. And then you can't apply for that particular grant. So those are all things just to be aware of, right. to work through as, sure. you know, again, there's a lot of different options and different ways to go about things. Sure. Sometimes you file with a fiduciary and you jointly file. You're their agent. You're the party that does the work that the grant is going through them mm -hmm. to do. It's all a matter of how you define it. Uh, but anyway, I want to mention the website again, culturescct.org. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on, Megan, as an introduction to kind of break the ice? We hope to have you back once in a while. And when you come back, bring some artists. Because when I have the guilds on or the arts councils, you know, their members are also artists. They come on and talk about their art. So welcome to our area. And what do you think about uh, your last thoughts? Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I would be so happy to come back and bring some of the artists I've been talking with with me. Sure. My email is impactcoordinatornect at gmail.com if anyone would like to get in touch with me for any aspect of the project. And I, I just want to echo what Kate and Wendy have been discussing about the relevance of the work that these artists are doing. Um, and I think the increased relevance that I think this work will have going forward. I was talking just last week with someone who shears um, heritage sheep and then weaves and spins her own uh, wool and then weaves it and she was talking about how, how much more sustainable and how much more pleasant this is than, than getting some fast fashion that has microplastics in it. So I think these are things that for a changing world are going to be increasingly really relevant and really important. Yeah, I think the more people realize the working conditions of some of the people in the clothing industry and how they're living they would think twice about buying some of that stuff. But that's another show. That's another show. <laughs> but thank you, Wendy, for being here. I thank wish you, you a good year ahead. We'll yeah, have you thank back you. for the coalition. And I look forward to seeing you next time too, Megan, okay? Thank you so much. All righty, great. All righty, well, we're going to take a short musical break and come back with Dionisi Torres from a new organization here in the area focusing on the development of our Latino business community. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Have some salsa.
Front. John Murphy here, very happy to be here to close out our show today with a new organization that's only a few months old in our community, the Latino Chamber of Commerce of Wyndham. I'm happy to have Dianisi Torres back in the house. I've had her on the air a few times over the years with her good work at Click, but right now she is the executive director, or the president, I should say. I am the president. And also next to her is a Luis Morales Torres, the vice president, and I welcome you to the program. Luis, it's good to have you here in the house. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, this is really exciting because people have sensed that the community is growing. There are more people here from more different places. The economy is beginning to move a little bit. Some renovations are happening. So you've picked a good time to kind of start the fire. Yes, you know, thank you yeah. very much, you know, for having us here. I really appreciate the opportunity and the space. Um, definitely, the, the community has been changing in the last years, last couple of years, and it will be continuing changing with the, with the situation of migration that is happening all over, you know, the, the world. Absolutely. And uh, specifically for the states that are closer to us, that means that our community will be shaped a little bit different. It will be diverse even more because we have a very diverse community in Wyndham. Yes. Oh, indeed. Yes. I mean, I came here from New York in 1978, and I would say at the time, the majority might have been Puerto Rican at the time. I mean, demographically. Yes, yes. And now it's quite the rainbow. It's quite the rainbow. I, uh, I read a, uh, an article uh, made by the WRCC about the Puerto Ricans arriving to Willimantic. Oh, yes. It was in the, I think, in the 70s. It was, I think, made, or maybe the 80s. I don't remember the date. But that was but, back with the mills and the mushroom yes, factories. Yes, that was, the, that was the push to have all these Latinos, especially from Puerto Rico, working, coming from the island, coming to, to this area to work at the mills. And that's how, you know, the, the community started to be more diverse because there were other... Uh, uh, communities before the uh, Puerto Ricans. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you, if I could, Luis, how did you decide that the best way to move forward is to connect to the existing Chamber of Commerce as a partner? How, you know, how did that work? 
Well, we basically went around. We wanted to start it um, by ourselves, you know, start a new organization. It was definitely difficult. It was challenging. It was, it was challenging. And um, we did knock to a lot of um, doors asking for helps and stuff like that. It was really hard to start this new organization. And the only one willing to help us, it was um, the Wyndham, Chamber, the Wyndham of Chamber of Commerce. And we decided to start with them. That's right. Yes. It comes up to Diane Nato. Diane yes. Nato. She was the one who says, like, you need it. Here you go. Mm -hmm. She she said she didn't think about it because she's, she understands the necessity Definitely. and the growth of our town. And yeah. also because we are very well organized and we are very well known in our, in our community because we work for so long with the Latino community in Wyndham. So it was a great connection. It was a great connection having all of these uh, 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 these two organizations joining. So basically, I want to explain a little bit deeper Please. of who we are and uh, specifically what what is the definition or the ca category that we have as a program. Okay, so we are a program under the chamber, the Wyndham Regional Chamber of Commerce right. Foundation. So we are a 501c3 program. Right. So I want to clarify, we have officially our name, officially trademarked Latino Chamber of, of Wyndham. Wyndham. And we are located at 47 Crescent Street. <laughs> I had to do it, I'm sorry. No, hay problema, un placer. So we are, uh, you know, we're here based on in Wolemantic, we're at uh, 47, we're, we are a uh, having most of our uh, professional development meetings and programs uh, being happening at the 47 Crescent Street, where is the right. Veteran Center. Right. Yeah. So when you think about the maybe 15 miles of here, a lot of businesses. Definitely. Do you have any idea that the Chamber help you figure out how many potential businesses are kind of struggling on their own? And they're making it. Some are doing better than others, of course. Yes. But... Are they all not yet aware that if they link together, things can move faster? So, uh, so yeah. these uh, these organizations, you know, this new program of the Latino Chamber of Wyndham, it kind of happened naturally. So we started organizing because we wanted to celebrate the Latino achievements in this area. So we started celebrating the Latino Business Expo at the Horizons Inc. So we noticed we aim for 60 participants and we receive 102 participants in this wow. Latino Expo. Yes. That was last fall. Right? That was last mm -hmm. fall. Right. And that I was here promoting it. And uh, and the, the that opens our mind to the need and the necessity of having, you know, the, the, the demand of having a program that kind of like, you know, covers as an umbrella all of these communities that is needing professional development, exposure of the cultural arts. Right. And also, you know, we are, we are trying to cover not only a, a, a quality, but equity. That's exactly what we are promoting. Yeah. Well, part of the challenge, you know, in Connecticut is spreading it around because yes. it, there's a real issue with income distribution in the world. But That's right. Here in the U.S. Uh, when you look at the area, what do you think are the things that would help businesses grow the most? I mean, obviously, if more money comes in, it's great. If more yes. people have, have money to spend, that's great. But those are obvious. More, more money is always great. Right. But apart from the money, what is it people can do right now to do more with what they have? Uh, definitely. You know, one of the uh, the 
the aspects that I notice, and we realize every time that we encounter a new business or an assistant, assistant business, it, it doesn't matter from if it's Latino or not. It's the visibility that they have as, as business, as what, they're, what they offer as services, how they can promote themselves in social media, in, a, in, a, in this new world of having a online services and deliveries and all, all type of different payments. So um, we are trying to you know, educate our uh, community, especially the business community, yeah. uh, about it. And not only that, we also would like to try, uh, we like to uh, promote and uh, offer uh, the professional development for the youth, the new ones that are coming out of you know, high school. So that this is a skill. College grads. College yes. grads. You know, it's a skill that you need to know because if it doesn't work for your plan A, you know, a business should be your plan B. In fact, this is a good point to bring up a great organization I've covered many years is Click, the Cooperatively Licensed Community Kitchen. This is an example of a new way to start a business. And for food, your big obstacle is having a legal kitchen yes. where you can legally, safely make food for people. And that's what Click does. Yes, that's Maybe, exactly right. right. And you were there working very hard. 13 years, you know, being part of Click. So I can't I tell you from the beginnings to, to today. <laughs> Yeah. So, it, yes. You know, when Phoebe and team were talking Never, about it on paper. Yes, yes. So maybe you can mention how a couple of food businesses started there and they're doing Definitely. well. That's an example of how businesses Listen, that are small can grow. I yeah. cannot be so, so, I cannot be more proud of my community, especially what has been happening the last four years at Click. Um, that, so we put a whole, uh, Program for new businesses, right? You know, arriving and arising in Wyndham, yeah. especially for the Latino businesses. So we put a out there ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars for grants for Latino businesses who wants to start their business, with, you know, in a legal way with all of their permits. So from there, we opened not ten, we opened twelve businesses at Click that are Latinos. So we have several businesses that are part of the our cultural traditions. For example, we have we you know at Click we opened the first taco truck in yes. Wendam with all of their licenses, okay? Oh, yeah. So I am, uh, you know, legendary. definitely, you know, we did everything with every single uh, business that's, that joined that program because I did, you know, we went hand to hand. I did most of their education, most of the, you know, uh, uh, steps that they need to take because we were, we want to make sure that they succeeded. So most of these businesses has been running their businesses for two, three years now. So we also have another very important role in our community, especially for the Mexican community, which is the Elotera. So we have Elizabeth Garcia, who's the, our our first licensed elotera, which is the corn, uh, street corn, the corn in the cup. So that's, uh, you know, we have a, a vendor here, a, a tent that is every, every summer at the rec park. Uh, so those two, you know, roles in the Mexican and, and, and Latino community are very important because they're not just, you know, providing the, the little culture through their food, right? The cultural, you know, a little piece of their culture through their food, but they also uplifting who we oh, yeah. are, they are demonstrating, they are showing what is Wyndham, what too. we are capable of, or who we are here as a community, because that's, that's, that's the idea of our community, you know, yeah. to, to know who you are and you know who I am. And I, this is great, you know, to have these businesses have some visibility. And that's what I mean, you know, providing for, uh, you know, platforms as social media. That's one of the simple things is that a people's food, that's the window. That's the door to learn. <laughs> 
Why do you have this food? Well, there's a special reason for this, El Dia de las Muertes. Well, this is for the ancestors to hang out with their grandparents. Yes. And have a meal with them. Yes. So you see the picture, but you don't get the story. Exactly. And when you do, it's mind-blowing. Totally. It makes different. Everything with with purpose makes a big difference. Because if you go, you know, if you have a purpose, you have a mission. And when you when you have those two, you are happy. That's the you know that's the happiness, definition of happiness. But we, you know, so that's why you know that's why we do what we do. And with the creation of this program, we are a you know charitable program. So we're trying to create. Education, educational programs, but also opportunities for for growth. And not only that, we also want to expose our our culture through arts, festivals, celebrations of you know our our days that we celebrate in our home. So we want to put it out there for others to kind of like you know understand or learn about different cultures. I think that's important as well. Yeah. Luis has a note there. Luis has a note there, and he <laughs> wants right he okay. wants to remind me. The table. <laughs> he wants to remind me to talk about that at the Latino Chamber of Windham. We are looking for sponsors, sponsors. and sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are looking for uh, anyone who would like to, you know. Uh, Patrocinar is the word in Spanish. Patrocinadores, sponsors. Uh, because we we have a, a goal in mind, but we also, you know, we are volunteers. So we are starting this program two two months old. Yes. So we we are you know looking for any any program any any institution who would like to be part of this huge program organization with the within the Latino community. Yes. What are the best ways for people to follow up on our chat today, right? Like, we're, we're on YouTube, so we're going to save this. We can get you a link. You can share yes. our story today, right? Definitely. But if, if someone's hearing us on the radio or watching, what can they do? If they have some money to share, a sponsorship would be great. So best way is to connect yeah. with me, Dianisi Torres. You know, you can uh, email me, torres.dianisi at gmail.com. That will be T-O-R-R-E-S dot D-I-A-N-I-S-I at gmail.com. You can also give me a call or a text and me- send a text message at 860-617-9162. 617-9162. And, uh, and you can, you know, you can find me in my old social media, Dianisi Torres. You know, I have my Facebook, Instagram, and I recently opened... Long time, and uh, you know I, I have really nice, uh, nice uh, pictures. If you wanna go there and you know hit the like, I would like that. But also, <laughs> I also would like. Torches on high, man. But I also would like to invite yeah. you to subscribe in my new YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel now. It's Dianisi TV. Mm-hmm. So if you go and and check check it out, so I have uh, some interviews and I'm gonna be creating a podcast a little bit more about my. My what we do behind scenes, you know, oh, yeah. right? That's always important because people think that I do magic and things appear like this, but it's no not like that. There's always, mm-hmm. you know, awesome people in our community that are willing to yeah. be, uh, you know, to become volunteers until, you know, we have a solid program. So we are looking for sponsors. We are looking for programs that would like to collaborate. Yeah. You know, we're open for, for discussions. I went to the Wyndham Chamber uh, website today and they don't have a link yet, but I think... That website is so well known. 
if you could have a link from there to your Facebook, definitely we a have. A lot of people would find out, I think, more quickly. Yes, we're gonna also we are our, we have our website that is linked to we're the Wyndham Chamber, but now. we are changing certain mm -hmm. things because yeah. there was some confusion out there in our community. So we want to make make sure that everything is clear yeah, and course. you know responsibly you know done. So that's why you know it's not active. But it, we started with our website, yeah. but we are making some changes. But it's uh, the Latino Chamber of Wyndham. Well, I'm really happy to have the two of you here today. You also, Luis, and we'll have you back in the, in the months ahead to help you get started. It's very hard. The early startups, you know, paying advertising is very hard. Mm -hmm. This is. is a good story, and we can do it once a month with new businesses and try to help people get the word out. I will love and, that. Uh, you know, I, we are always looking for that opportunities. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate your support because you always support my community. You always support everything I do. You know, this is not the first time I come here to the, to the show, right, Matt? Yeah. I've been here That's quite right. <laughs> a few times yeah, and I right. you know always you always open to everything that you know we bring and always you know bring in the information and the, 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 the conversations that we needs to happen and um, and also you know again you know I am open to any program any any suggestions as well oh, so yeah. anything that you feel we, we can even do bilingual programs on the radio that's what I love we will try and do that as well and it's nice to help a startup start to get its feet and this is an early time to make a big difference here you know, some of the development money is coming into our territory. People have to steer it in certain directions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. So this is Vice President Luis Morales Torres and, of course, Dionisi. Thank you, and I wish you good success for this year. We'll have you back. Thank you. Thank you. And always thank you for joining us each week here on The Home Front. If you want to get involved in a future show, use the email to reach me, john at humanartsmedia.com, and we'll see you next week.